0: Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. Puget Sound is home to around a third of the nation's active nukes. Today, we're revisiting an episode that explores why that is and why so much secrecy surrounds them. But first, let's get you caught up. We'll learn more information this week about the shooting at Ingram High School that left one student dead. According to The Stranger, Seattle police will release additional documents related to the shooting today. A hearing in the case is scheduled for tomorrow. A 14-year-old is facing a first-degree murder charge and two charges related to a firearm. A 15-year-old was also arrested in connection to the shooting. One open question is if the suspected shooter will be tried as a juvenile or as an adult. Classes at Ingram were canceled following the shooting but are set to resume again tomorrow. Seattle Council Budget Chair Teresa Musqueda will announce her balancing package for the city budget today. This as Seattle faces a grim fiscal future. The city predicts a revenue shortfall of $80 million over the next couple of years a decline in revenue from the city's real estate excise tax. Budget cuts may come out of the mayor's plans to address issues around parking enforcement and homeless outreach. Mosqueda is expected to propose more progressive revenue streams similar to the Jumpstart payroll tax. There's also a public hearing tomorrow at 5 o'clock. The council is expected to vote on the full budget later this month. And we're living up to the Emerald City name this week. The world's largest urban forestry summit is coming to the city starting Wednesday. The event features advocates and leaders in community forestry from around the world talking about things like how to make urban forests more resistant to climate change. Hats off to you, tree nerds.
1: July 16, 1945, this is the darkness of a desert morning, and here in New Mexico, a group of men wait tensely, expectantly, behind them, three unbroken years of work, work done in unprecedented secrecy.
0: That's the sound of an atomic bomb exploding at a test ground less than a month before similar bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Some of the key materials in these bombs were produced here, in a plutonium reactor in Hanford, just north of the Tri-Cities. Washington has a long legacy in the nuclear weapons industry, including our current arsenal of nuclear missiles. KUOW fellow Gracie Todd dug into the history and future of these weapons in Washington, and she's here to talk about it. Hey, Gracie, great to have you here. Hey,
1: thank you so much. It's good to be here.
0: So a lot of people don't know that Washington is really involved in nuclear weapons. It's not quite in the tourism pamphlets, and I'm curious... How did you find this story? How did you get into this?
1: Yeah, so I was preparing for this fellowship with KUOW, preparing to move from Washington, D.C. to Washington State. I was like, okay, I need to learn everything I can about Washington State. And I was finding all this information about nuclear weapons in the state. You know, there's the nuclear materials production at Hanford, a large stockpile of nukes at Banger, involvement in the Cold War the establishment of Boeing here, all of these things, but it was in like various articles, various reports, and I thought it'd be cool to just put it together all in one place and paint kind of a comprehensive picture of Washington state's links to nukes. So a running theme I found in that was really secrecy or lack of transparency that was really present from the very beginning of Washington's involvement with nukes at the Hanford site. You know, if there is a jam for an investigative reporter, secrecy and
0: nukes seems to fit the bill, Gracie. So this was right up your street in a lot of ways. Give us a quick summary of our history with nukes. We covered already that it started with Hanford, but what happened after that, after that plutonium reactor was built?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the plutonium reactor gets built. There's about 51,000 people showing up to work on nukes at Hanford, but the vast majority of them had no idea what they were working on until the United States attacked Hiroshima and Nagasaki with nuclear bombs in 1945.
0: It is a harnessing of the basic power of the universe. The force from which the
1: sun draws its power has been loosed against those who brought war to the Far East. So it was only amidst these attacks that those workers found out that they had been working on atomic bombs And, yeah, that's the sort of secrecy I'm talking about here. And even though Hanford shut down in the 80s, it still produced most of the plutonium that's in United States nukes today. That all came from Hanford production. This is a lot to clean up now. So that kind of is going to bring us to the present with the Hanford site is there's this ongoing cleanup. It's been decades since it started. It'll be decades more and billions of dollars more spent before it's all over. You know, Gracie,
0: there is so much to unpack here, not the least of which is the 51,000 people who ended up doing some job that turned out to be connected with this major event in history. But before we get there, let's put into scale for listeners how much nuclear activity is actually concentrated here in Washington.
1: Yeah, so, so much. There's not only the Hanford plutonium production. There was also uranium production at sites like the Midnight Mine, which is located on the Spokane Tribe of Indians Reservation. And today, there's Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. That's part of the nation's efforts to produce tritium. And tritium is one of the most valuable materials in the world. And it's used in every single nuke in the United States. It's used to boost their explosive power. And to be clear, tritium isn't made in Washington, but the laboratory designs the process by which it's then produced in other locations. When I first reached out, a spokesperson from the lab said that it has not been involved in nuclear weapons research and development. And it was only after I demonstrated that I had done my research, I knew about this tritium, that the lab then clarified they had done some work to support the nuclear arsenal. There's also military bases. These are very involved with nukes. And that was true in the past. For example, remember the Cuban Missile Crisis? This was seen as the closest the world has ever come to nuclear war. And in the first few days of that crisis, there was only one place where a nuclear strike could have been launched from in the U.S. And that was Fairchild Air Force Base in Washington state.
0: Wow, Gracie. That is fascinating. I, I've i got to stop you there, because at this point, I really need to ask you how many and where weapons are present here in the state right now? I'd like to have you guess. how many How many nuclear weapons do you think we have in the state? Okay. As a former military reporter, I'm going to skew higher here, and I'm going to say that there are probably at least
1: 90 warheads in Washington state. You are way low. So... At Naval Base Banger, just about 20 miles from here, we have the largest concentration of deployed, which means active, nukes in the nation, maybe even the world. It's about 750. That's incredible to me, the destruction that we have here, the potential for destruction that we have here. Absolutely. So just one of these nukes could kill millions of people, destroy a city, when people talk about nukes and, and talk about how much damage they, they can do, it kind of sounds like fear-mongering sometimes, but it's not. It's just true, because that's that's just one of these nukes, and we have 750 just here on the coast of Washington. You know, I want to go back
0: to production for a moment here, because beyond mutually assured destruction is the radioactive material that goes into these weapons, which is also dangerous.
1: Let's talk about the health impacts for the people who live here. So those who have been most impacted in Washington are Hanford workers. Their health is really taking a toll because of this work. A report released this year by the state's Department of Commerce revealed that over a quarter of former or current Hanford workers said that their work made them sick, and in some cases, really sick. So I spoke to one of these workers, his name's Abe Garza. He was an avid runner, lover of mathematics, classic novel reader. And today he's coping with really intense neurological and lung damage from mercury and various other toxins he was exposed to over 33 years of working as an instrument technician at the site. They don't actually tell you what's in the tanks. You go out there and work, you get exposed, and the first thing they to ask you when you go to trial or court, what chemicals were you exposed to? Now, to me, that is such a stupid question. Us as workers don't have the ability to go sample the tanks and find out what's in the tanks. There was also contamination that happened deliberately. So, for example, December 1949, one night, the U.S. Air Force deliberately leaked radioactive gases into the atmosphere around Hanford. And I'm actually just going to show you this map of where all that spread. Let's see if you can see this here.
0: Oh, Gracie. That's a very large chunk of Washington and Oregon.
1: Seems like nearly all of it, almost all the way up to Canada, almost all the way down to California. But of course, this had health consequences. This past is kind of echoing today in the present. Over the last few years, there have been some other toxic leaks from the Hanford site. And I want to be clear, these haven't been deliberate like Green Run, but they have been concealed from the public in some cases. So again, there's the secrecy, lack of transparency. We don't really know what's going on. And I think it's really important that we determine what's really going on at the Hanford site, because the many whistleblowers and workers who have spoken out over decades really demonstrate that there's a need to pin down what's going on and kind of settle this debate that's been ongoing about how safe or unsafe is Hanford. Okay, Gracie, I'm so grateful that you were able to connect all these
0: dots for listeners. Let's bring everybody into the very present day here. We still have a lot of these weapons in Washington. What is the future of nukes here?
1: Right. So the future right now is looking like remodernization. And that means that over the next 25 years or so, our nation is going to spend about 1.7 trillion with a T dollars on nuclear weapons. And This is to upgrade or replace nearly every nuke in the nation. And there's a lot of controversy about this. It's expensive. Some people say we don't need nukes at all. Others say we need nukes, but we don't need to replace so many of them or upgrade so many of them. So it's controversial, but it it looks like it's happening. And many of the defense contractors that have won major contracts for this work will be doing some of that work, at least, here in Washington. And that's partly because we have some of those nukes here at Banger. Yes, Gracie, the
0: military-industrial complex, alive and well in Washington state. Gracie Todd, Howard investigative fellow here at KUOW, really appreciate your reporting. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Claire McGrain produced today's episode with help from Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.